0: Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. Again, it is late Monday. It's December 1st, and this is the Eye on College Basketball podcast brought to you by Squarespace, which recently launched a version of its platform called Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and a feature called Cover Pages. If you want to try it, go to Squarespace.com and enter the offer code FUN at checkout to get 10% off that Squarespace. Start here, go anywhere. Okay, I am home from... Uh, Orlando, where I watched the Orlando Classic over the Thanksgiving holiday. Kansas, Michigan State, Tennessee, Marquette, Ryder, Santa Clara, Georgia Tech, and Rhode Island were all there. Kansas and Michigan State, of course, played for the title. Kansas won. Fun game. It's actually intense, it was about as intense as it gets for um, you know a November college basketball game. Perry Ellis was MVP of the event, averaged 19 and nine in Kansas' three wins there. We're going to talk about that and a lot more today. And here to help me, of course, Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. Norlander, I know you were at Connecticut, Texas yesterday, so I don't know how much you saw of Kansas, Michigan State. But Sam, I know you watched on television and you don't, you don't, you actually tweeted this. You don't think as much of Kansas as I seem to think of much as
1: Kansas. What are your issues with Kansas? I don't. I think that they're going to struggle to create offense without Wayne Seldon, you know, actually being able to create offense or shoot right now because i don't really trust frank mason to figure things out i don't know that i trust any of mason graham selden any of them to get the ball to perry ellis consistently and you seem to be really high on speed um i I see him as more of just a shooter right now like a spot-up guy and i think that as the season goes on and they start playing tougher and tougher defenses they're gonna have trouble to create offense well,
0: I actually like he is a shooter. Like that's what he does best. But he hasn't made shots this year. I think he's around twenty something percent. And I, I will yeah. tell you from talking to the Kansas staff, um, he doesn't miss in practice. Yesterday in warmups, he didn't miss. Just not making them in the game for some reason. Mm-hmm. But he is their most reliable freshman right now of that class. I mean, this is a class that included, mm. you know, that, that I'm telling you what they <laughs> What they think. They. they now I know I know Cliff Alexander's like per minute stuff is is really, really good, but they trust f uh, on the on the court and they I I talked to a bunch of NBA people about him yesterday. They actually think if you could take any of those freshmen as pros at the age of twenty two, he'd be the one you'd take. Not Alexander. I've not heard that good. as
2: well, by the way. Yeah.
0: I mean they really like and so um I don't know, like Frank Mason. I get it. Like my instincts are to not trust Frank Mason either, but he's playing pretty well. And um, and and then you take you take She and then you take Perry Ellis. I think Cliff Alexander's got to be on the court, and he, he Bill's going to start playing him 25 minutes uh, per game. I you starting to already? Yeah, right. So I, I just look at that team and I go. It's still, you know, five probable future NBA players. Perry Ellis is playing like an All-American right now. If Frank Mason can continue to be a a competent primary ball handler, and then you can play him and Devontae together a lot. Um, I don't, you know, if they played Kentucky again tomorrow, I'd pick Kentucky again, but you know, I think they're in that second group of teams in the country that there's no reason they can't win another big 12 title and, and challenge for another final four. I just think that 32 point loss to Kentucky is hard for people to get out of their heads.
1: Oh, right. And I think that they're not, they're not like that 32 point loss to Kentucky team by any means. I think I would have them. I think I figured it out last night. I'd have them 11th or 12th. So we're not like terribly far off from Kansas. I just think that I have a lot more questions about where they are. Like, I don't think they've had an actual test yet because I don't think particularly highly of this Michigan State team. I don't think highly at all of this Rhode Island team, even though they beat Nebraska at home, which they were kind of supposed to do because I think they were like a one-point favorite a two-point favorite in that game. Like, I, I just don't think they've had that test game yet where I can point to it and say you know they should be in the 10 range like they're they've played teams that are like 25th overall and teams that are first overall where they fit in that middle range i can't really judge yet i guess cuz i still think they have a lot of question marks
0: i guess they do I, you know i went on radio in in Lawrence Kansas or Kansas City somewhere in the state of Kansas um maybe it was friday after they'd beaten tennessee i guess um and and the the final score was like they won by like fifteen, but it was a close game in the final five minutes. And, and I this, watched that game. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so th-
2: yeah, it was, sorry to interject, but Tennessee kept that closer than they should have. Yes. Sure,
0: right. And so yeah. the hosts were sort of saying a lot of the same things you're saying, Sam, which is, um, hey, I just think Kansas is still trying to get it together, and um, you know they they you know still got a lot of questions, and I'm like. Well, four of their most important players are supposed to be first-year guys. Like they should be still trying to figure it out, and they should still have questions. But uh, how many teams? I guess this is where I go. I just sort of fall back on every year around the. You know, we do it, and not not necessarily we, but people. Um, do it with individuals all the time and, and, and do it with teams as well. It's like, you know, I just think Andrew Wiggins has got a long way to go. You know, that's what we were hearing December 1st last year. And and so now it's like, you know, I think this team's a work in progress or that team's a work in progress. Well, how many teams are a work in progress five games into the year in college basketball when the turnover is almost always um, significant for the for the top tier programs. Like I guess Kentucky's not really a work in progress and Wisconsin's probably not even a work in progress and maybe Duke's not a work in progress, but isn't everybody else pretty much in the entire country like the other 348
1: teams aren't they works in progress? But I still yeah. see a team like Virginia even who returned a lot of pieces, who, you know, you can count on them defensively, they have an identity. I think that they're more set than even like a team like Kansas is right now we don't know what we're going to get from those freshmen I think even in February right now like the way that Kelly Oubre is playing I think like, people are mad that he's only gotten like seven minutes a game or something like that but when he's been on the court he hasn't shown that he should be getting more than seven minutes a game not at all that's kind of the problem like I have without him I don't really know what to expect from them without Wayne Selden on the wing doing anything passably, even as a Big 12 starter, let alone like a potential NBA prospect, I don't know what to expect from them offensively because Frank Mason right now is their best perimeter threat offensively, and that's sure. terrifying.
2: I would say here's here's so right now overall, um, Kansas is sixth overall in offensive efficiency, 18th on defense. Some of that is on Ken Pomeroy, and some of that is Ken actually quietly adjusts his preseason rankings to actual results over the course of the first month. So in re- in reality, Kansas might be a little bit worse in both of those categories than they are right now. I, I lean more with Paris and Sam on this one, uh, merely because Self has done more with less in the past. There definitely is an interesting element of this staff trying to determine uh, which sets, which rotations are going to work best and which guys are going to respond out of that. We have a really interesting game between Kansas and Florida later this week on Friday night, merely because Florida is 3-3 is three and three and looked thoroughly a- average last week. Um, Kansas gets that game at home. They should win, but if for some reason they don't and Donovan gets his team to win, I think whoever loses that game, we're going to have uh, – uh, frankly we might spend next week's podcast spending you know 5 or 6 minutes on, on one of those teams because at that point you'll either have a Kansas team who will have lost two games one to Kentucky and then a home one to Florida or you'll have a Florida group that'll have already lost four games more than it lost all of last season granted i know it hasn't been at full strength but um those are two programs that were preseason top 10 teams that just haven't looked as sharp as as Honestly, every other team that was a preseason top-ten team, everyone else to this point, except if you want to say Carolina, got slipped up against Butler. But even aside from that one game, you go on down the line, everyone's undefeated or only one uh, reasonable loss.
0: Let's talk about Kelly Oubre for a minute. I, Sam's exactly right. Like, I watched him. I've now seen Kansas live four times, right? Um, so six games, I've seen him four times. And he. it is noticeable that he is barely playing. But when he is playing – He doesn't look like the type of guy you go, wow, he should be playing more. Like, when Cliff Alexander was playing like 15 minutes or 17 minutes, there were like times where you go, wow, you probably need to keep him on the floor a little bit more, right? I mean, because he was rebounding and just making things happen with his body around the basket. But with Kelly, he looks lost. He looks hesitant. And um, right now, he's 10th on the team in minutes played. And... I got a little pushback from Kansas fans when I wrote that column last Thursday night, sort of them trying to explain that, hey, you know, there's nothing really rare about a freshman, you know, uh, on the back burner at Kansas. Like, And, and I, I, like, I, I hear what they're saying, but the truth is, like, what is happening with Kelly Oubre right now? is is extremely rare if not unprecedented in the modern era of college basketball like the one and done era of college basketball the idea that a consensus top 10 recruit and projected top five NBA draft pick could be buried on a college bench through his first six games of his freshman season again this does not happen this is very very rare and like I talked to him about it talked to Bill about talked to like every you know Everybody connected to the Kansas program about it. I will say Kelly said all the right stuff, but it would be foolish to think this isn't bothering him on some level. Like, when you are top 10 national recruit, USA basketball product, top five in at least one reputable mock draft, if there is such a thing, um, to suddenly be 10th on your own team in minutes and barely playing. Like, against Michigan State, he didn't even play in the second half at all. Like, it's got to be a real, real shock to your system,
1: doesn't it? Yeah.
2: to
1: to your first point about how it's unprecedented that he's playing this few minutes like we actually do know that it's unprecedented like Jeff Goodman today on ESPN got through he went through I think the last nine years of top 10 recruits and Kelly Oubre has played the fewest minutes and scored the fewest points of any top 10 recruit over the last nine or ten years uh in and that's essentially basketball. the
2: past decade is the modern era, like around 03-04 is when the internet recruiting services really started to come to prominence.
1: Right. So anyone that would say to you that, oh yeah, there are weird circumstances with Bill Self, no, this isn't even Bill Self. This is absolutely unprecedented. And to your, just the point about Ubre being lost and not really looking like he should be on the floor, he he doesn't look like he has any idea where to be defensively. He doesn't really know how to defend not only within like a solid Bill Self defensive scheme, he just has no idea where to go even in like a general p- like side pick and roll. Like he he just kind of doesn't get it yet. I think it's eventually going to turn on, and he'll be a great threat in transition for them. He'll be a great threat, ball hawking, passing lanes. But right now he's totally lost. So this,
2: yeah, this is the third straight talented, athletic, freak wing of a freshman that. His production is, is cratered compared to Ben McLemore and Wiggins, who did a lot. But with both McLemore and Wiggins, there was a feeling like, OK, they're going to get better. They're just getting used to it. They're not quite as aggressive enough. With Ubre, it's like the trend is amplified by 15 times over. It's just been – it's definitely been weird. And I, I, a week ago, I would have said I can't possibly see this happening and continuing into conference season – I guess I would still lean that way, but it's just bizarre when you've got someone like Ubre, that talented who, honestly, uh, this is just my opinion from where we're sitting. If this Even if this continued for the entire season, I still feel like he would go in the first round, as crazy as that sounds, just based off of his, his body, his ability, what he's shown uh, previously at lower levels. So it's... It's a weird situation, one to keep an eye on. Self has had plenty of guys come around come January, February. I feel like we'll get to that with him then. But if we get 12, 13 games in the season, and he's still not cracking double digits in minutes averaged, then I think it's a a valid concern for Self and that fan base.
0: You know, like uh, for most programs, you could maybe, you know, find a three- or four-game stretch of bye games you know, in late November or December where you could say, you know what, we're just going to force it. We're going to play him 25 minutes a game, let him play through mistakes, let him try to get comfortable uh, because it won't hurt us because we're going to be outclassing, you know, mid-major or low-major opponents. But, like, Kansas doesn't schedule that way. So, like, they go, you know, straight from Kentucky in the second game of the season – to um, the Orlando Classic where, you know, they did get a Rhode Island team that, that beat Nebraska and then, you know, an SEC team in Tennessee and then a Michigan State team that's certainly capable. And then they back that with Florida, Georgetown, Utah, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So like all,
2: t- all, all teams that I think will be in the NCAA tournament and right. single-digit seats.
0: Right. Okay, so then you go, you know, like whatever, and then, you know, at Temple. And though Temple's not good, still, like, at Temple, that's a real game. You're on the road. And then yeah. – you know, you, you close out with, you know, UNLV. And so I, you know, but there's not a three game stretch in their non league schedule where you can go, okay, sure win, sure win, sure win. We can play Kelly Oubre, let him go through his mistakes. If he's off, it doesn't matter. Um, they just don't schedule that way. So I absolutely can see this going into conference play um, because uh, right now they got to win these games. And, and, and he doesn't help them win the games. And though some coaches will try to manipulate it, to keep somebody happy bill is pretty straightforward he says you know all i do is i try to play the guys who can help me win whatever game we're trying to win and then and then i look at the next game and and right now um i don't care what any mock draft says kelly Oubre is not somebody who helps kansas win games so it's a a, again just the whole thing's fascinating to me and you know that's why i wanted to try to write that last week and um, it'll be interesting to, to follow and watch it unfold. Norlander, you saw Texas Connecticut yesterday afternoon. Um buzzer beater from Jonathan Holmes. That's a nice way to end November, huh?
2: Yeah. Uh I'm gonna say it on the record right now. Oh wow. Uh Texas is gonna win the Big Twelve regular season oh, title. Um wow. kind of tying to what we talked is about. Is this with Kansas similar to there.
0: the on the record um Kansas is gonna beat Kentucky in the champions classic thing? Or is, that, is this what... is
2: even more on the record. Oh, the wow. Kansas Kentucky was just like whatever. Um okay. uh, I, I picked big, I picked Texas and Kansas actually to both make the Final Four in the preseason. I guess I won't run from that right now. I did see Texas in person. I saw them ten days prior, uh, nine days prior when they played at the 2K Classic and beat Iowa and Cal. Really good team, guys. I mean, I think GP and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but just in general, um, Barnes gets – He just gets too much crap. I mean, he's gone to the tournament every time except once, I believe, in 16 previous seasons at Texas. Uh, And while some would say you should do that when you're at Texas, really go ahead and look at coaches that go to tournaments 14 out of 15 years at major conferences. Even when they switch jobs, it does not happen all that often. This group... Uh, has five dudes who are 6'8 or taller. Texas plays at Kentucky Friday night. No, I do not think Texas is going is to win because they don't have their best uh, guy at the one in Isaiah Taylor. But Barnes, I was talking to him afterward, um, and he made a great point that I totally forgot about. So this, this whole Taylor wrist injury, which happened on a freak play uh, when they were playing against Iowa in the second half, Taylor's going to be out. Probably until 2015. Um, The hope is that he's back and ready in time for conference play. But the Mike Kambongo NCAA disaster of, you know, ongoing indefinite suspension while they were looking to possible benefits that he might have gotten into, um, that sat him. And so... Uh, Javon Felix ended up getting basically 35 minutes a game as a freshman point guard. And because of that, they Barnes was emphatic about this. And I was talking to a te- Texas assistant as well. That is really why they have not lost a step here uh, with Taylor being out because Felix has come in. He's a really solid, capable backup point guard. So they've got the good guard play combined with the bigs there. Just, I love what they have overall. Jonathan Holmes, that dude is just an awesome college senior. Like, really. Talented, passionate, fiery after the game. He was happy with the win, but he said, you know, frankly, I'm pissed off because we would have should have won this game by double digits. In a lot of ways, he was right, but uh, give Connecticut credit. You know, they did have a home floor, and they've got really good talent, and Ollie does some nice defensive schemes overall. But I do like Texas. I think they're clearly, clearly a top eight team in the country right now. Would love to see what they can do against Kentucky. It's just too tall of a task to ask them to win without Taylor, who's such a great point guard. They can do it. I just don't think their odds are very good. But at the very least, um, if Texas goes in and gets beat by 15, I, I hope people don't come away from that game saying they're they're trash because they're not. I mean, to win at Connecticut, at Gamble, by the way, that's really one of the best home courts because it's a— It's a a small arena feel and a relatively decent-sized venue. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have been there, but it's a cool spot, and it's tough to win. Almost no one does. So they got that. They beat Iowa and Cal, two maybe double-digit tournament seeds. So they've looked looked good so far. And remember, it was a year ago at this time where people said, you know, Barnes basically has to win 23, 24 games and get to the tournament, or he wouldn't have a job.
0: So it's uh, Texas-Kentucky. That's Friday night in Lexington. I'm going to be there. That's probably the second-best game um, this week, the best, obviously. Duke at Wisconsin that's Wednesday night I'm going to be there as as well um you don't think Texas can win at Kentucky I don't think Texas will win at Kentucky either uh but I'm curious uh anybody you give you give Duke a shot at Wisconsin
2: uh I'll I'll hop in here real quick I do give them a shot man that is I I don't think we can ask for a better game on like a December 3rd than two of the top three teams in the country with the two best big men in the country Duke does I mean, you know, Shevsky does not schedule road games unless TV deals dictate it. It just just he does not do it. So, whenever we get Duke in a true road environment outside of conference play, always dig that to see how his teams react. Uh yeah, I would say um maybe 35% or so for Duke. Wisconsin is uh not not as deep uh, and not as good on the wings as Duke overall, but they've got they've got plenty of talent. And I know you're going to be there, GP. I just hope we get a, a really good game because this is, you know, our podcast is definitely for people that if you're listening to a podcast on college hoops in December, you love the sport. Uh, but in general terms, when you've got a Duke, Wisconsin, middle of the week, you um, this is really where the sport hopefully can shine a little bit to a mass audience. And I hope we get a, a really good game and some strong performances out of Okafor and Kaminsky.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get 2 certainly one hall of fame coach in Krzyzewski. I think, uh, I think Bo Ryan, I gotta a,
2: be. Yeah. I think uh, at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Bo Ryan's a hall of fame guy as well. So you get two hall of fame coaches, great atmosphere. I don't know. I, I, I don't, have you guys ever been to Wisconsin? I've,
2: I know. It, no. It, so. It's
0: awesome. Okay. Like it, it's terrific. Right. So great <clears> atmosphere two Hall of Fame coaches, and then two, like, first-team All-American guys and two guys who, you know, are arguably the two best centers in the country. And and um, it, they play incredibly differently, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I, listen, I, when you have the – when this is your job, I think sometimes you just sort of take it for granted. I do all the time. Like, I – I, I sit around and, and you know I'm at this great arena that's for this great event and I'm just sort of like you know yeah here I am again and 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 and, and then you sort of pinch yourself and go shut up man like this is what this is like people would kill to be sitting right where you're sitting so like you know um, take a look around and soak it up a little bit and so I say that to, to say I don't. I don't even have to pep talk myself for Wisconsin Duke. Like I can't wait uh, to be in. They just it's going to be uh, terrific. I can't uh, I can't wait to get there. I, I you know I never pick against Wisconsin in the Kohl Center. I think that's one of my rules. Like just don't ever pick against them in the Kohl Center. So um, I suspect they'll win. But either way, um, should be a, a fun fun night. Remember today's I own college basketball podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is now redesigned with Squarespace 7 interface including integration with Google Apps, partnership with Getty Images, 15 new templates and cover pages and Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day seven days a week. Everything starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website. So your content will look great on every device, every time. So start a free trial with no credit card required and get to building your website today. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Eye on College Basketball podcast. At Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. Okay, let's do some news and notes presented by uh, Squarespace. Let's start here. How about the job Chris Holman's doing at Butler? 5-1 and one wins over UNC and Georgetown. That means he's got wins over Final Four coach Roy Williams, Final Four coach John Thompson. Third, only loss is a loss to Oklahoma. Really nothing embarrassing there. Um, for a program that's just been through a crazy amount of adversity over the past 18 months, you know, you lose your iconic coach, um, then you hire a new coach to go into the big east and that obviously doesn't go well lose a key player to injury now your coach is on a medical leave of absence just kind of a mess it has been since since almost the day um uh, brad left butler and yet again five and one nationally ranked it's a pretty nice story going on there huh
2: it is and i'll let sam kind of trampoline off this and talk about the big east because he wrote about it a couple of days ago but butler this is this is a heck of a coup here. Holtman is proving himself to be a, a really good spot at interim, and that's kind of two straight coaches who have been uh, tagged with an interim spot. The first being Ollie, and obviously he did a lot. But my point is that two kind of well-known national programs uh, that kind of stepped in and have have seen big dividends right away. We don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Miller. You know, the the feeling is that he is not going to return, but there's also the plain factor that there is a lot of money that he would be leaving on the table if that was the case. Um, But we we don't know really uh, the true details and nature of his situation. So obviously we're not going to speculate on that here. The point is in spite of that, this team getting a coaching change in October, they've rallied tremendously. They look really good and it's been, it's been going parallel to the fact, Sam, that the big East overall uh, two nights ago had the second best percentage to, I think, the Big 12. But the Big East, the Big 10, and the Big 12 by far had the best win percentages. But no one, like no one saw this from the Big East. Seton Hall hasn't lost yet. Villanova has looked fantastic. So uh, good on that league ultimately overall to, in year number two of its new figure configuration, uh, come out of the gates roaring in November.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, have been completely shocked by that league. I did not expect Anything more than like you know maybe the sixth best league this year, like I, I just didn't I didn't really buy into Georgetown. I didn't think Marquette could go onto a neutral site and beat Tennessee and uh, uh, George Georgia Tech. Um, I didn't think that I thought that VCU was going to cause all kind of problems for Villanova. Like I, I am flabbergasted right now by the way that this league is playing, and right now I think that they probably are the third best league in the country behind the ACC and the big 10, which is
2: that's, that's actually like fairly ridiculous because last year at, at best they were seventh, like at best. And the jump has been so precipitous. I mean, GP had a thing in his poll attacks uh, on Monday night about Providence and how they should still rightfully kind of be ranked. They're six and one and they've proven themselves to look fantastic. And their only loss being at Kentucky, who is embarrassing everyone. And by the way, just a side note on Providence uh, to me, this is just like a kind of a college hoop diehard note. But like last year, Bryce Cotton was the absolute do it all, do everything player uh, in all of college basketball. He leaves, and Ladante Henton, who uh, you know, four or five coaches. I did the the preview for that league for us. I spoke to them, and they said, "Listen, the best player in this league is probably Ladante Henton. If not, he's the second best." And I was kind of like, "Hmm, I don't know. Uh, dude has been outrageously good for for PC to keep them going." So. It's just been a huge, and, and Seton Hall has Isaiah Whitehead has is a five-star prospect. It was kind of like the one player that Kevin Willard needed to sustain his job and to keep that program even mildly interesting. The Pirates have been very boring for a long time, and even DePaul is two games over five hundred at three-one right now. So, if uh, DePaul, if, how
0: about a shout out to Oliver Purnell? By the way. Gets yes. a, I love Oliver for now.
2: Get, you, really, you really do love him, by the way. Love Oliver for now. He gets, yes. uh, got a win
0: over Stanford.
2: How about I that? I know. How crazy is that? And then, that Stanford, was crazy. And, then,
0: and then Stanford still got five votes, points in the coaches poll this week, <laughs> which is like I thought it was a rule. I didn't think you could get on a top 25 ballot within 24 hours of losing to DePaul.
1: You should not and be able to do it within like 140 hours of losing to DePaul. I think
0: that's like, reasonable. Yeah. And back to Providence for a second. Like it drives me crazy when people do that. like that it's sort of the, that's what the poll attacks is like uh is rooted in. Just stuff that drives me crazy. And so one of them is like, "Okay, you're ranked 21st, 25th in the country. You go play at number 1, you lose, and then you drop out of the rankings." Like, what what were you supposed to do when you're ranked 25th in the country? You're supposed to go lose at Kentucky. And what you dri- have,
2: what drives you crazier, that or when a higher ranked team like you have two ranked teams playing but the lower-ranked team is at home and is the favorite. But people say it's an upset when like 17 beats a seven. But 17 was actually
0: yeah, there. that doesn't bother me as much. I mean, I'm I, it's something I'm very careful about. There's like a couple of pet peeves. I will never use the word upset when it's not actually an upset according to odds makers. You know, just because you know, a, a number 10 beat number four, that doesn't necessarily make it an upset, particularly if 10 was on its home court and favored by three, right? So that, that, that I never do it, but I don't, like, get offended by that. The other one that sort of drives me crazy, um, I never say defending champ. I always say reigning champ. Yeah,
2: you do have a thing with that, don't you? You know,
0: because nobody's defending anything. Floyd Mayweather defends his championships because if he loses, then they take them away. Like, Connecticut's not defending anything. You're not watching the defend. What are they defending? They, you, there's no scenario under which something that could happen on the basketball court this year could cost them last year's national championship. They're not defending it. I hate defending champs. <laughs> I, I in fact I would I would say we'd never use that again that should be an eye on college basketball I actually rule. I have
2: knowingly and quietly um, typed and then deleted the first half of that phrase a couple of times because of you just seeing it thank you
0: they, nobody's defend there in football we don't have defending champs in basketball we don't have defending champs in boxing we do so like um uh, Floyd Mayweather, he is, he is defending his championship. But, like, in, in the. I get what you're
2: saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, the Spurs, they're not defending it. They're not defending anything. They're the reigning world champions. They're not defending right. anything. So, that stuff drives me crazy. And then, like, just ballots that don't make any sense. Like, the, the 1 AP voter that I pointed out this week, he has North Carolina ranked 10th, which is high, but whatever. I don't care. And, and then he has Oklahoma ranked 20th, which is whatever. That's fine with me, too. But then he doesn't have Butler ranked. Well, I don't understand that because if you think North Carolina deserves to be ranked tenth, and you think Oklahoma deserves to be ranked twentieth, what you're telling me is that Butler's resume features a win over a top ten team, a lone loss to a top twenty team. They can't see, get in the top
1: twenty-five then? See that one I actually don't have a terrible problem with. Because Well then you will get poll attack next. <laughs> I'm okay with that. The reason I don't is because Butler was what, picked to finish last in that league this year, second to last. That could actually be like reasonably spun as, "Hey, I'm just not overreacting to a single result." I would have Butler ranked personally. I would have them right in that 23, 24, 25 range, but I at least understand the idea of not having them ranked by not overreacting to a single win. But is that a single they, win? They got to win over Georgetown too. They got to win over Georgetown too, I know, but yeah, it's so. I understand the idea behind it. Is well, my point.
0: Like I said, you'll be next. <laughs> hey, okay, so we're talking about the Big East. Um some of the schools that used to be in the Big East are now in the American Athletic Conference. Is that going to be a one bid league?
1: Like that,
2: uh, it could how maybe, disastrous would that be? Right it's, now, it be should disaster. be. Hey,
0: that was a really good league last year. At least the top, at, at pretty. Much, it was
2: just split. It was weird. It was I wrote about this. It was, 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 yeah.
0: was crazy. The divide between the top five and the bottom five was like there wasn't anything else in the country close to it in the league. But but you had Connecticut, Louisville. Cincinnati, Memphis, and SMU basically all in the top 25 to 30 at Kenpom all year, all year long. They were all like right there in the top 30, 35. Um, now this year, Connecticut's the only one in the top 50. Um, Connecticut, and they're just three and two with no good wins and home losses to West Virginia and Texas. SMU's four and three, no good wins, losses to Gonzaga, Indiana, Arkansas. Cincinnati's five and one, but they've got no good wins and a loss to Ole Miss. Memphis is two and two, no good wins, blowout losses to Wichita State and Baylor like like you know to go from what I do think last year was one of the more interesting and 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 better leagues in the country to you you could re, you could envision a scenario where it is a one bid league like that's a pretty significant drop off i don't know that it should be surprising cuz i think on paper every team was supposed to take a dip except for maybe SMU. And then, you know, the Moody thing and, and and the Kennedy thing sort of caused this. But
2: yeah.
0: um, the league's in a pretty bad spot right now. Right. It's, it's not uh, doing right, anything. Let's that.
2: Just, yeah, I'm going to run this down real quick here. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's basically what we're looking at. If, like, we don't have two teams that clearly separate themselves in league play, and by separate I mean, like, dominate league play and only have, you know, two losses or so. Connecticut in non-conference, they get Duke on a neutral out in jersey that's uh on December 18th and then they get Florida at Florida. So UConn's probably going to have to win one of those two games or basically end the season with like 25 wins if he wants to get an SMU. Uh, they got to beat Wyoming first of all. And there's no guarantee they're going to do that this Friday. They go to Michigan. Are we going to expect SMU to to get that kind of win? I don't think so. They have nothing else of importance in the non-conference. Is Kennedy
1: back yet for that game?
2: Uh, no, I don't believe he is, but don't quote me on that for sure. Uh, Memphis, who GP is all too familiar with. I mean, Oklahoma state isn't even a great home opportunity, but you have to win that game. And a- outside of that, they have nothing. They have nothing until Gonzaga in January. And that's at Gonzaga. Memphis is not winning that game. Um, so they're in a, t- in a tight window, Cincinnati, they get ne- at Nebraska. Can they steal that? They get San Diego State at home. That's brutal. I mean, Cincy has at least has options and credit to Cronin for, for scheduling like this because they get VCU as well and at NC State. So at least Cincy, if they can get a couple of good ones because they had nothing so far and their only test was Mississippi, they lost. Overall, the, the the league is not presenting itself with a lot of... Really good opportunities to get non conference wins, and when you have a situation like that, it just the cycle eats itself, and you 're not going to have these teams that are going to have any good non conference records and so then you 're judging them based off of conference play and If we get a situation where no team is below four losses in conference, then we could this could be a scenario where we're we 're looking at the AAC as one bid league
0: yeah, I mean like you know because of where I live, I obviously get asked about Memphis all the time, and so the fans are you know are, you know they're freaking out right because they're not used to being two and two and and they've looked terrible in the losses like they they, they don't take care of the ball at all like they're they're're they're one of the worst in the country like I think ranked 346th in turnover they look awful okay yes okay so they don't they turn it over like at a, an amazing rate and and they don't really take it back at all so like I think through four games their opponents have taken 36 more shots than them. I mean, just be, and it's not because they're getting killed on the boards. It's because they just give the ball away, right? Like if you would have said in the preseason, what guards are Memphis going to rely on? The answer would have probably been Kedron Johnson, Mark Hill Crawford, and Pookie Powell. And those three guys look all—they look all look awful in different ways. Um, none of them are shooting f- even forty percent from the field. All of them have more turnovers than assists, and so it's um, it, it's pretty bad, right? And and they got Stephen F. Austin. At FedEx Forum tomorrow night, but my point is this: so Memphis fans are flipping out, and I'm like, hey, you know, if you want to stay positive, you you know everybody else in your league kind of sucks too. So like, it might not be that bad. Like, if you were ever going to be mediocre, this might be the year to do it. Like, th- being mediocre last year in the American Athletic Conference, that ain't got your that ain't got your brains beat in. But get, being mediocre this year, yeah, you could still finish top two or three pretty pretty easily. The league is just. Um, again, through the first month of the season hasn't really, or, you know, two or three weeks, hasn't really performed um, well at all. Norlander, you mentioned Gonzaga. Uh, any, any new thoughts on them after seeing them live in New oh, York?
2: Yeah, I'm glad we got to that. I wasn't sure if we were going to circle back. I did see them uh, in the NIT final on Friday. The I love have- them. Do you love
0: if- them?
2: Love them. I love them, too. Love them, love okay. Them so many different scoring options and ways to score and they don't and I know like they they absolutely just destroy St. Joe's um but they in a lot of ways and when I was watching them against St. John's and granted St. John's I think gave them the best possible defensive game St. John's had in them and they still wound up losing by seven um they look like there's just plenty of room to grow uh, I mean it's to me, like, okay, so Domus, uh, Demontis, Sabonis, is kid, he's the sixth man. He's got to be the best sixth man in the country. He is a double-double mm-hmm. machine coming off the bench, plays with tremendous amount of energy and passion, is so much fun to play. You to know what? Like, here's that, the other
0: thing. He's got some shit to him, you know?
2: Oh, there's no doubt like, about it. Tough. Like, he's tough. He is, you and know? you know what? Like Honestly, it's not with every Gonzaga big. Karnowski has never been that way, but a few has had fours and fives, over the years that have had some serious soft to them. This team does not have that at, at all, except if you want to say Wiltshire, who kind of floats and he'll, he'd rather really be out on the perimeter than really establish a post game. But overall, they've got so much to them, and every single person on this team is fun to watch play, even like Byron Wesley, one-year transfer from USC. Uh, you wrote the column on it, man. Uh, Pangos is probably going to be an All-American if Gonzaga... Get, if Gonzaga conce- conceivably, I just you know, quickly here. They They have Arizona road game. If they win that, then then seriously look out. But I don't think they're going to. That's uh, this Saturday, the sixth. They get that. They get UCLA on the road, so they actually have some good challenges there. And we mentioned they have the home game in Memphis. Uh, you know that weird series they've got scheduled for you know mid conference season. But if Gonzaga can get to a four loss season come Selection Sunday, which I think is totally totally reasonable, Pangos is probably going to be a first team All American if the team leans on him in the way that he's capable of. But That might not even have to be because Bell is a good scorer. Wiltshire can put up 23 on random nights. Sabonis, again, is a double-double machine. Wesley, if you need to ask Wesley on random nights to put up 22, he's entirely capable of that. It's a a really mature, responsible team. It's just, I I can't rave enough about what they are, and it is... People need to buy in. I understand we we talked about this previously until they make a Final Four. To me, that's just stupid with this team because they're they're so good. I'm, I'm almost... Wondering if we're going to get to a situation here where even though the schedule's tougher, are are people going to oddly treat Gonzaga this year like they did Wichita last year, even if you know Gonzaga loses a game or so. I hope not, but given what it, Gonzaga is, I wonder if we're going there.
0: I got some of that in pushback after I wrote the column, but you know, like whatever. Like it, it, there are people who just fundamentally won't accept the idea that if you're not from a power conference, you can actually make a final four until you do like, you know, and honestly, like I did Dan Dickow's show um, earlier today in Spokane, like he has a radio show there. And, um, you know, we were talking about all of this stuff and, and he, you know, one of the questions was, you know, will um, are you know, does the does the schedule, you know, West Coast Conference schedule prepare you for March? And I'm like, listen, like that's all. That is what people say when a Gonzaga loses early or a Wichita loses early. Like they go, oh, you know, well, why did Wichita lose to Kentucky? Because they played in the NBC and they just weren't properly prepared. For- no, the reason they lost to Kentucky is because Kentucky got hot in the second half and and made a bunch of shots and. You know, one has nothing to do with the other. Otherwise, you got to explain to me why it didn't affect Butler two years in a row, or Wichita State in 2011, or VCU. Um, I mean, Wichita State in 2013, or VCU in 2011, or Memphis in 2008, or the great UNLV teams once upon a time. Like, I, I just don't buy that. I just think you you and this is sort of Mark Fuse thing as well. Like, just be as good as you can be, position yourself to get a, a, a an advantageous seed, and then go play the games and see what happens. But. Um, there's no question that people will doubt it until it happens. They just do. Um, But, man, I look at that roster and the way they're playing, and I'm with you, Norlander. They seem to uh, not only be talented enough, but all understand each other's roles. Like one of the things I said on the radio in Spokane earlier today, same thing you just said, like Byron Wesley doesn't need to go get you 22, but he can. He can go get you 22 if you need him to. Um, They've got three guys um, who can shoot – you know, better than 40% from three-point range. They've got veteran guards. They've got a star in the making in Sabonis. I don't know, Sam. What, I mean, like, I look at that, that. It's not the most talented roster in the country, but it is, um, it, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word perfect That's because that's the, obviously the wrong word, but it's a, pretty, no, no, no. it's a pretty good assembled college basketball team in terms of if you're trying to get pieces and put them together to make a really, really good college basketball team, that looks like what's been done here.
1: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with this. They aren't necessarily the most talented team in college basketball. That's obviously Kentucky, but they might be the most complete team as far as can you defend the interior? Yes, because you have Sabonis and uh, Karnowski. Can you shoot from the outside? Yeah, you have Pangos, Bell, Wilcher. Can you slash to the rim? Yeah, because you have Byron Wesley, who averaged 17 a game in the Pac-12 last year. Like This team can do literally everything that you ask of a team on the college basketball floor. And I don't know where they're getting four losses, honestly. Like Norlander said, Pangos is probably a All-American if he they uh, end up with only four losses. And I don't know where the four losses are coming yeah, from. Yeah, I don't know but, where I mean, they're I, going. I, oh, Well, let's look at it. Okay, you go at Arizona, that's one. Yeah.
2: They and, randomly drop a, a West Coast Conference game like that they and, shouldn't.
1: Yeah, and that's two. And I maybe actually, don't, I actually UCLA, don't, think, I don't think they'll do that. I, I think they
0: can run the table in the league.
2: They, I
1: think they can, but I also think that BYU could get hot.
0: Yeah, that's Yeah, 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 yeah. So
2: big. here's where I would say the only way they're getting a four is, is if they drop to Zona this Saturday. That's a that's a. I can't wait to watch that game. They drop to UCLA, which I don't think they will do. But you know they they're crazier won't be I don't even know if they'll be favored in that because UCLA is not terrible and that is a home game for them. So let's call that two. Let's call BYU on the road three, and then if they get plucked uh do or die west coast conference game that would be my fourth yeah that's how i think they're getting a four
0: i could say uh, yeah i can see four but right now if i set the over under log gonzaga losses on selection sunday at four i think i'd take the under
2: which it would yeah. be which would, which would be great by the way but you have gp just real quick here you have i don't know if it's just product of teams not losing and where you slot a preseason, but you still have Wichita state. It's only five to six. So we're truly splitting hairs here, but, uh, you have Wichita state higher than Gonzaga in your top 25 and one as of this moment, That's, if we went neutral, so that you're yeah. saying neutral court tomorrow, you take Wichita state to be Gonzaga.
0: I am saying this, it is based on where I had them in the preseason. Um, okay. yeah, uh, honestly, like I could sit here and say, of course I would take Wichita state. You may be honest with you. Um, after watching both teams, um, you know, uh, I haven't seen them in person yet either, but I've seen them both on television If I had to take a grand tomorrow uh, neutral court just to pick em game i I would take gonzaga they they seem to be operating at a really really high level and i you know what a little I said this last year about Wisconsin, and I'll, I'll say it about gonzaga now i hope i like you know I have no problem acknowledging I hope they make a final four because one of the things that drives me crazy is when um You know, fans, whether it's their own fans or fans of other programs, they, they hold this lack of NCAA tournament success against a coach or a program, and, and and draw irrational conclusions from it. Like somehow Bo Ryan's system can't get to a Final Four. What does that even mean? Like, do you know how many different systems get to a Final Four? So like the idea that Bo Ryan couldn't make a Final Four only because he had never made a Final Four? Like that always was just like stupid to me. And so like I was rooting for Wisconsin last year not because I was rooting against anybody else, but because I wanted that, that narrative to go away. Bo Ryan can't make a Final Four. Yes, he can. For the same reason Shaka can and, and Paul Hewitt can and any number of people can. Um, Brad Stevens could do it twice. You know, you know, the idea that a guy is successful, as consistently successful as Bo Ryan couldn't do it when randomly all these other people do it just always struck me as dumb. And so to, to be able to remove that narrative um, was something that I was rooting for with um, Wisconsin last year. Same thing with Gonzaga now. I hate the narrative of Gonzaga is all about regular season beating up on nobodies and then they get you know caught in the in in March. I I hate because I recognize that is what the, the that's what the data shows, but I don't think it's an accurate reflection of what that program is. Like I just think sometimes you got to get lucky in that event, and 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 they haven't gotten lucky sometimes and. Um, so if if they can make a Final Four to remove that from the conversation,
1: like that's what I want to happen. I want the Zags in the Final Four. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm actually going to circle this back to the conversation about Arizona. I'm actually going to go as far as to say since today is apparently bold prediction oh, wow. uh, podcast. You're going to yeah. call this right now? I'm going to call this now that Gonzaga beats Arizona on Saturday. How about that? How about that? Not, Arizona's that's
2: terrible. That's like that. If, Cause you know, well, I don't know. We'll see how Arizona can get out and guard on the perimeter there, but that's I actually of all the games from now to the next podcast, including, and I can't wait to watch Duke, Wisconsin, but I think Gonzaga at Arizona. Yeah, those, earlier those are, see, those are the two best. I mean, yeah, I yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, earlier I said Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Texas, the two best games this week. I, I just wasn't thinking far enough ahead to Arizona uh, um, Gonzaga on unsa- set. That's terrific. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up, and I know it doesn't work like this, but I wouldn't be surprised if whoever wins that game Saturday ends up being the one seed out west.
2: No, that these things. No, okay, just a quick <laughs> soapbox moment. Uh, and Sam, I'm totally sorry for cutting you off. You can You're circle fine. back to why you think Zag is going to win. Uh, these games will have impact because if these teams have similar records, their strengths of schedules are probably going to be similar. The committee will absolutely look at um, who won the head-to-head. So Gonzaga, Arizona could be for the one seed in the West. That absolutely could boil down to it if both teams end up, again, three or four wins, yes, this could decide the one seed come Selection Sunday.
0: That's going to be good. So we've got a good week of basketball up in front of us. Again, Wednesday night, Duke, Wisconsin. Friday night, Texas, Kentucky, and Saturday, Arizona. And and then it slows down a little bit after that, right? Because we have finals and yeah. and uh yeah. and, which is fine by me. Like I have like I don't even know where <laughs> I'm at half the time. Like I uh I got home this afternoon um after I guess it was five nights in Orlando and now I will leave again on Wednesday morning to get to, to so I'll spend two nights at home and then be in Madison on Wednesday and then Thursday morning, Thursday night fly to Lexington and then be there for Friday, and then be back home Saturday, and then actually, like, unpack my suitcase for a few days, which will uh, be nice. Okay, well, I've kept you long enough, as always. We appreciate you guys listening and being here at CBSports.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast. It's on iTunes. The quickest way to get your hands on the latest podcast that's where. Subscribing on iTunes. So make sure you go do that. It's free, and uh, I will talk to you again a little later on this week. I think the next podcast will originate from Madison, Wisconsin after the Duke-Wisconsin game on Thursday morning, so uh, make sure to check out that. Take care.